I'm enjoying uh, Elephant Words. I've I've written my third piece. Well, the first draft of it already. Yeah, I'm fine. I'd... It's not. Can I just clarify? Yeah, it's not. It's not draft words. It's elephant words. Fuck off. <laughs> Well, I was going to... Um... I find it's weird, right? I, the process I go through is really odd. I get the email, uh-huh. I panic for half an hour, uh-huh. and then something comes out of my head. I really like your post for... The, well, I really like both of them. Mm. I really liked your post for this week. Thank you. For this coming week. Um, was it obvious what, what, who the narrator was? I still need to talk to you about that. Oh. I actually did this weird thing where I yeah. was checking to, to see which order I can be yeah. asked right. to do... The um to do the scheduling and yeah. stuff in, I check the word count which is at the bottom, and so I tend it to end under up under eight hundred. It was great actually, yeah. but I tend to end up reading the uh, reading the last oh, paragraph right, okay. by accident. All right, and so I and I mean obviously the listener might want to read it at their own pace. Oh, I don't okay. know if the listener listen mm. it reads elephantwords.co.uk, but it's a writing mm. website that that I and now mm. James are both involved with. Yeah. Um, but uh, and James. Uh, had his debut last week and he's yes. got another piece coming mm-hmm. in this week mm-hmm. uh this coming week um i'll talk to you about it afterwards because yeah. i am i'm not sure i like i like that i'm not sure good because i think that was maybe intentional yeah yeah absolutely but um but yes i very much liked it uh, it is actually because the bit i wrote started uh, i was i was probably in the darkest place i've been for a few months uh-huh. so it started as one thing and maybe became something morphed else. into something else Two or three people went with a a a motif that that was more in the not jumping but falling mm. realm of mm-hmm. things. Yeah, but I think everyone everyone had a slightly different approach, and luckily there were enough posts mm. this week that I didn't have to write mine uh, because mine uh, the only fan fiction I've ever really written uh-huh. uh, before was a post about that was kind of about lost. Yeah. For um for elephant words a while mm-hmm. ago. That's not true because I've written a Justice League style thing as well. Mm-hmm. But um th- that was kind of about lost and the post I the thing the story that's cogitating in my head or that has been cogitating in my head but that I didn't get time to write mm-hmm. is uh very uh inspired by the program The Leftovers. Well just about the idea mm-hmm. of the rapture so maybe about oh, right. the about the Christian science fiction series Left Behind as much as anything well, else. I, I was listening to. Funny you should mention the rapture. I was listening to Tell 'em Steve Dave um, this morning uh-huh. when walking the dogs and on my way in here, which were two separate things. Yes. And uh, apparently they think the date for your diary. They've been tipped off apparently by this guy, who um, his grandfather I believe was um, a member of the local Masonic lodge into all of that they haven't seen him for years uh-huh. and apparently he's contacted his whole family and told them a date to watch out for is september the 23rd there's some sort of armageddon coming so that's an exciting date for your diary i apparently should be restarting work on the 20th so it might mean i only have to work three days which Just is a, off bonus. a few days yeah that actually that actually seems vaguely plausible because when they when they go when they uh, uh, uh put it on their website 
mm. and then they take out an advert in all of the local papers mm-hmm. and then they make sure that uh, MSN, MBSN, MBSN and Fox yeah. all yeah. hear about it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't that, – that carries the tinge mm. of attention-seeking with it because yeah. it doesn't really matter if we're prepared for the rapture, does it? No, not at all. Not really. Um, but the fact that he was just telling his mates, that's like when a cop finds out there's a zombie outbreak – through yeah. his job and he's told not to tell anyone because there's a panic but he does tell his friends you know like all those people family. that are apparently told not to go to work in the trade center on the yeah all of those people when they that, got don't, hit. that don't actually exist i forget the date um i think it was november the 9th yeah i think it might have been i i don't know if it affected your childhood as much as it did mine but conspiracy theories along with nuclear paranoia Conspiracy theories were a big dark shadow that cast itself over, or, or rather, um, prophecies of doom. Nostradamus, very big in the eighties. I don't, yeah, but I don't think we really. I think you're. I think now it's the other way around. I think now uh, there's a general feeling of unease. Yeah. So conspiracy people who are prone to this sort of thing mm-hmm. will go in for conspiracy theories, and that will uh, inform their worldview. Whereas for us. Of, of course Nostradamus was popular. We had Armageddon mm. on our sh- Like, it it wasn't a, a thing that they, a shadowy they, mm. might end up happening. We knew who might end up yeah. making it happen. Yeah. And we knew that it was a possibility. Um, and, I mean, and then even with AIDS, like, AIDS was a thing well before everyone thinking it yeah. was come up with by the government was uh, a thing. Yeah. We were coming up with... I think that's the healthy way to come up with conspiracy theories. I was to explain the things... That are big and impossible to get your head well, around. No, forget what it was I was listening to, but um, someone was talking about conspiracy theories on was the it, radio. Uh, 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 someone on on dope. It was. Uh, I don't know how to tune into that. Was it Mopon Dope or whatever Mo, his name Mo, is? Mopon, I don't know who Mopon Dope is. Doug. His name's Doug. He does all everything. Right. Mopon Doug Dope sounds like some sort of Taiwanese. Lesbian dopeheads on mopeds. That's right. Um, Doug, no, it wasn't Doug. Doug's on tonight, Monday. We're recording on Monday. It's a live one tonight. I'm very that's, excited. That's the one, that's the cartoon with the kid with the really big head. Mopon doped. No, Doug. Doug. From Nickelodeon. No, Doug Benson. Oh, him. From Getting Doug with High. He's the one who always talks to Kevin Smith about Batman. He's the pro-cannabis comedian that everyone loves. Right. So not Kevin Smith. No, everyone loves Kevin Smith. Everyone loves Raymond James, I think oh, you'll yeah. find. Now, that apparently that was Letterman produced that, didn't he? Did he? Yep. It's good to know that he had something to do, mm. uh, a revenue stream, because I don't think his main show was ever very successful. No, poor guy. Um, so conspiracy theories, and someone's like, this is right, his conspiracy theories are brilliant because you get the reverse engineer after the fact. So obviously they're always plausible. Yeah. Because the events have happened. All you've got to do is start tracing things back. And you go back. Pretty much everything kind of looks like a conspiracy if you look at it at the right angle. People like, I mean, I think the main thing now is conspiracies made sense about AIDS because AIDS was a big scary thing that nobody could really get a handle on. But, um... People like, I think the main reason people like conspiracy theories now is because the, the biggest fairy tale behind a conspiracy theory, um, no matter how big the conspiracy theory is, no matter how weird, whether it's got aliens or unicorns or whatever mm. in it, the biggest fairy tale, the bit that is really the engine around which people are building their fantasies is that you can get more than two or three people 
on this planet in our civilization mm. to uh, keep a secret, to organize well, that to that extent. To agree to on secret. something exactly. and, and to keep a secret, and especially when, you know, these people are going to have to be quite powerful. Yeah. And that is a beautiful fantasy mm. for people to have because yeah. there is no apparent existence of that mm. in people's lives or workplaces or families or anything. Yeah. The idea that you might get that many people of a like mind is like, is like believing in God or unicorns or unicron or leprechauns or leprechaun. Oh, I love leprechaun. Leprechaun is uh, when all the lepers on yeah. an island all form together. <laughs> yeah, they mega, mega leprechaun. Mega leprechaun. Yeah. Leprechaun. Leprechaun. And attached atta- Tokyo, right? Yeah, not mm. to be mistaken with leprechaun, which is uh, when all the lepers uh, uh, shift up to a convention centre yeah. somewhere in the US and uh, and exchange tips and tricks on how to cope with being a leper. I tell you what, you think you've had it rough having Concrud at a Comic-Con. You want to get Concrud at Leprechaun, that's not you're good. You're literally coughing you're like, your guts yeah, up. Yeah, your limbs fall off in all sorts. Yeah. Mother Teresa comes and abuses you. Shh, fucking Mother Teresa. Yeah. Would well, you? No. No. No, I wouldn't. No. Not even if she asked. No. Um, I <laughs> don't, I don't know. I don't, we, can we, we don't, uh, can we acknowledge that there's a refugee crisis happening and not talk <coughs> about it? Yep. Good. That makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Can we acknowledge that, um, uh, our entire, uh, political system and media system is geared towards, uh, uh, politicians basically picking and choosing and playing chicken with public opinion? Mm. Uh, 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 and, and choosing expedition, like exped, uh, expedition, that's wrong, isn't it? Expediency, expediency, choosing expediency over act- action, mm. and and not talk about that either because it's too depressing. It's pretty hard to take you seriously while you're sitting there fingering your banana. I am fingering my banana. It's there. I'm going to put it out of reach mm. so I don't have to eat it. I think it's the one from the Velvet Underground uh, album cover. It looks very similar to it. It's got the similar bruise, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. The um, the the uh, I just want to mention the podcast regular features on which I recently got mentioned. One of one of my neurotic moments got <coughs> mentioned. Congratulations! Because I had had a conversation with uh, one of them on online about how them mentioning like of the dog always mm. upset me because I always get upset. And basically, they mentioned like of the dog and then uh, and then singled singled me out. Singled my weakness, mm. my emotional weakness out and mentioned me by name. So that was nice. Were you ever able to finish the book? Uh, no, I've still got your copy, I think. Probably I? by Nick Abadzis, isn't it? Yeah, I need mm. to give you that. Oh, back. really good. Um, but yeah, w- one of them posted a picture of, or a friend of theirs posted a picture on Facebook of, uh, them and, and three of their friends, uh, in front of the pot noodle machine in Nottingham. I think it's in Nottingham because okay. that's where he lives. There's a machine, James. Right. That's in a shop. It's like a pot noodle shop thing. A it's pardon? quite big. It's like a vending machine. A pot machine. noodle shop. It's like a vending machine yeah. that's on the street. Right. And you can go there yeah. and you put your money in yeah. and you get a, a ready ready pot noodle out, ready to eat pot yeah, noodle. Yeah, but out. as I told you before, I've got very I like quite a dry noodle quite a dry pot noodle. So I don't think you get to choose. It's not like exactly. a Exactly. I'm not because when you made that one for me on this show, far too wet. 
How did I handle that logistically? Oh, it was uh, I brought a kettle in, yeah, full of water. Mm, it wasn't that complicated. Probably, I was racking my brains about that the other day. Probably, probably shouldn't have done either, given the amount of electrical equipment in this room. No, there's a you, lot. You can see the video for our uh, our pot noodle uh, dip mm. dab. Yeah, it was a pot noodle pepperoni pepperoni. Sorry, yeah. dip dab. Can't get expedition right. Can't no. get pepperoni right. What the fuck? Whereas the pe- the manufacturers of pepperoni have got it oh so right. Oh my god, haven't they though? In, in is what it confuses me because you've got pepperoni spicy, which is significantly less pleasant. Yeah, but they've got two. They've got uh, they've got uh, pepperoni hot and tasty or whatever, and then they've got yeah. pepperoni uh, so hot you'll lose a bollock. <laughs> and actually, you could be eating them both simultaneously, mm. and you wouldn't. I don't know which is supposed to be hotter. The branding doesn't mm. allow. I, I've got a question. Have curries got, uh, like, takeaway curries, have they got less hot? Or are my taste buds so heavily burnt away that a vindaloo no longer does to me what a vindaloo did when I was younger? What context did you used to buy them under in it? When you had vindaloos before, were you a bit drunk or whatever? No. I um, <clears throat> actually used to be a chicken fowl. Right. I'd buy because I'm, I'm stupid. Fall always sounded to me like an alien race in a TV program. It felt like you'd eaten an alien race. Yeah. Um, I think I've told this story before. It used to be, um, I used to get the most regularly when I was a chef. And on a Friday night, I'd finish my shift at around 11 o'clock. I'd go over to Gandhi's, which was the uh, the curry house next to the train station in Winchester. Uh-huh. they go, hello, would you like the usual? Go, yes, please. Is it spelt? G-A-N-D-Y-S or G-A-N-D-I-S. I-S. So I don't like that spelling of Andy. <laughs> anyway, carry on. It's a bit, it's just a bit I pretentious. In, I was in very regularly, so they knew right. what I wanted. Um, they'd do it for me. They'd call me a cab mm-hmm. as well. Go, you're a cab. <laughs> very good. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I'd go home. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd, I'd go home and I'd eat my, eat my curry all on my own. And then the next morning, I'd wake up with excruciating tummy cramps, mm. and I'd have to use the toilet several times before I left for work. Then I, I'd leave for work around half eleven, get around them around midday, have to use the toilet again for some time, and then basically do a a ten hour shift in a, a roasting hot, roasting hot kitchen, so sweating out the curry and, and having quite an uncomfortable bum. I think it might be you who's changed. Or are you Maybe. going to a different curry house now? Oh, of course, yeah. So I'm going to the one up on the corner from us, Star Express. You may have seen me tweet about their chicken warp. I uh, have my Twitter set up to filter out all mentions of food. Oh. Because it used to be all, all people talking about their food. It was hilarious tweet. They, they sent us around a leaflet, and underneath the chicken wrap, it says chicken warp. Uh-huh. And, and I... I tweeted a photo and I said uh, set the chicken to warp factor yum how how that didn't go viral I was going to say how many me. how many RTs or retweets listeners? do you know what's really upsetting get? one guy favourited it uh-huh. and Jesse favourited it and retweeted it I thought well if you like it retweet it yeah. don't favourite it retweet it it's yeah. hilarious let's go viral no well that person you want to check their timeline because maybe they just stole it they might have just it, it reposted is possible, it because I think he works on private eyes <laughs> It's, it's perfectly, it's perfectly possible. That's, cause that's one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest threats facing online content providers now. See, I'd be happy with that though. Credit, uh, creditless theft of had, content. I had tweets in the Times 
If I could get tweets in private eye, that would be a... Did you have a tweet in the Times? Twice. Oh. Mm. How come? What were they about? Uh, Was it like when they used to do Vox Pops for the Mm. Daily Echo in town, and if you knew Mm. one of the people who was featured, Mm. they'd say, I didn't even remotely say what they've said I said? No, a a chap I follow and who follows me called Michael Moran, who writes for The Quirker. Oh, he follows you? Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, uh, he used to have a column in the, the, the Times of amusing tweets. And what was your, what was your, can you remember uh, one, them? One, one was about, um, uh, it was raining, so I decided to roll up my red flag and postpone my communist activities or something. Or, right, okay, I don't really a, understand the, that. No, it was one? just a stupid non sequitur, as, as much of my tweeting is, but the other one was in a, just a non sequitur as well. But See, the only time. I obviously tickled him. I got, uh, one of my tweets got picked mm. up, uh, in relation to someone else's tweet about, mm. um, uh, it was an attempt by the awful Metro yes. to try and embarrass the lovely, I can't even remember her name now. Kanye West. No, it wasn't her. Um, it was the lovely, oh God, I love her. She got, she got a hand put in the chip fryer. Isla Sinclair. No, no, the other one. She got a hand put in the Carol chip fryer. Carol Kirkwood. No, and, uh, and, and then shot in spooks. Betty Boo. And, um, that was it, Betty Boo. Where is Betty Boo these days? She's just doing the do, I guess. Just uh, because this is ostensibly a parenting podcast, I oh, just, yeah. I just want I just want to mention that my son Noah is getting really, really good at singing along to things on telly and like talking along to yeah. things and going off, taking himself off to have a little read in his room in the mornings Brilliant. and stuff. Oh man, he's adorable. And Max is all right too. I mean, he's still a baby, but he had solids for the first time this week. Solid food, not excite. If he hadn't had solid poo before, no, that no. would be a problem. But yeah, he uh, had some cucumber. He likes cucumber the most. Mm. They like cucumber, don't they? They do like cucumber. So you can suck on it like it's corn on the cob. I want some cucumber now. Mm. That banana's... I haven't had anything to eat this morning yet. Have you not? That banana's kind of... So I mean, you see, the, I'm looking at the banana now, and it's kind of... Uh, 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 haunting me a little bit because I don't really want a banana. It's nothing worse than a haunting banana. No, as well. you don't want to. You no, don't want to be haunted by a banana. Um, you. So you wrote your piece for Elephant Words last week. Yes, I've been meaning to give you some notes. Oh, thank you. And I haven't done that. Mm. Uh, do you want? I because I can't remember. There was one uh, structural thing. Was it the listing? Did you hate? Because there was one bit where I went into a double list. No, no, I don't think. It, I don't believe okay. it was the listing. Well, they might be relating to the listing, mm. but this is just uh, a writing tips that the listener might might mm. benefit from or think are stupid. Mm. But also, the one specific thing is something that I have, I I noticed. Mm-hmm. There's that that thing that that teachers say that's mm-hmm. bollocks. I think yeah. where you know I learn so much more from the students than they learn from me, and it's like really because I think you've misunderstood your your yeah, you're responsibility. You're not doing your job right. There, uh, but there was something that you do, you do mm. as someone who is just because I'm really impressed because it's That's something nice that you've just really started doing yeah. for public consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that you do, and having written like stupid amounts of nonsense for a really long mm. time now, there are things that I know I do that I try not to do, and mm-hmm. I've worked out coping threats, and I've kind of understood what the problem is with one of those things. Right. So the first thing is there's a structural thing where. You introduce quite a major element, but I mm-hmm. think you just introduce it a beat too late. I can't okay. remember, and I need to look at that more specifically. So it, it's like for maximum impact because it becomes a really mm-hmm. important thing at the end yeah. of it. But like the 
you do this thing that I do a lot and lots of people do actually, mm. which is these run-on sentences. Uh huh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing about those is when you go back and reread afterwards, mm -hmm. they still make perfect sense. Yeah. They only stop making perfect sense when you read them so long afterwards that you've forgotten what it was you were getting at. Because mm -hmm. the problem with those sentences is, and they work while you're writing them, and yeah. they feel like you're really, mm. you've really got some momentum, is um, normally there's a cogent point at the end of the sentence mm -hmm. that makes the journey to get there in the sentence yeah. make perfect sense. Yeah. But only you know that as the writer yeah. and the reader. For the reader, what happens is it's like... Um, the, the way I was thinking about it, it's like readers psych themselves up for each sentence. And if a sentence mm -hmm. is really small, they only, they take a little breath yeah. and a little mental breath. Mm -hmm. And then they, they read the little sentence and it doesn't have to be super satisfying yeah. for them to get through it. But with a, a longer one that has mm -hmm. like two or three commas, unless it's clear what you're getting at from really early mm. in it, they kind of take their breath yeah. and then they're almost out of breath by the drown. time they get to the point and they drown. Yeah. They drown in the sentence. In words. And the problem is, those feel like the cleverest ones. Yeah, When yeah. you're writing them, yeah. those are the ones you're most pleased with. So what I've started doing, and a lot of this is because I read Cormac McCarthy's The Road, mm -hmm. and realized you don't have to give a shit about formal mm. anything, Yeah, um, is just, just find a place to break the sentence in half. I, I also find it's um, kind of a result of the, 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 the way I write, mm. is um, I write really quickly, I can't help it. When it yeah. starts coming out, it's like you turned on a tap and it's kind of like yesterday. I was sort of pretty much up at the 800 word limit before I really knew Absolutely, where yeah, I was. It was, really quick, it was kind it? of terrifying. But the problem is then it's sometimes you, you, you've got the idea in your head and you're trying to communicate it. Mm -hmm. And you end up using too many words to communicate what is quite a simple idea. So. Yeah, yeah. But and, no, that's good advice. And, I, I, you're right. Long sentences are really annoying. I find them very frustrating. They're annoying to read. They're annoying to listen to. When you Well, I do a lot of that with talking. Was that a dig? No, I, I was doing a long <laughs> sentence. Oh, uh, so it was a dig, but it was at you, not at me. That's yeah. paranoid of me. Yeah, um, pretty much 99% of the digs I make on any podcast we do together are at me rather than at you. But luckily I am so, luckily for me, mm. I am so uh, self-obsessed that I just assume they're mm. about me. So I yeah. don't end up worrying about yeah, you the whole good. time. But yeah, it's, and I think the thing about them is it's when, when you go back and reread something, mm. normally, Normally, straight away, you can see most of the places where you can cut things. But the uh -huh. problem with the problem with longer sentences is they still make perfect sense to you mm. when you go back and reread them soon after. A lot of the time, not you specifically, but to, to me as I'll tell well. I tell you what I found. I've done it. Um, the the first one I wrote and the one I've written um, uh, for 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 publishing next week mm -hmm. is um, I've had to. I have the tendency, if I don't catch myself, to do a tada at the end. Tada. Yeah, yeah, I understand. To sort of point it like, so with the, the one I did about the, and it feels horribly sixth form. Because, mm -hmm. uh, originally the end of the, the thing I wrote about this kid is basically a kid's experience going to a, um, an arcade. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at the end I, I had the narrator say, and that was my paradigm. Like, what, what? Why am I saying that? It's like yeah. trying to spot a landing, isn't it? It's like, well, if you haven't already said that last sentence in the preceding 800 words, then you fucked up the preceding 800 words, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, you know? it's, it's really difficult because it is really difficult because TV kind of, even sitcoms, mm. even like I think Scrubs was maybe the, the, mm -hmm. the <clears throat> first major case of this. 
but they, especially if they've got a voiceover, yeah, each episode tends to be tied up in a bow at the yeah. end. Oh, a little bit what we learnt on He-Man. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sort of thing. And um, But at the same time, nearly everything you read about short stories, especially genre mm-hmm. st- short stories, mm. sort of says that, suggest that the twist is the important thing we mm. were brought up on future shocks as well folks future shocks i haven't gone for any maybe the one that will come up this week is kind of i don't know but they're not particularly twisty but no. again it's like i and i i've written it and I'm, i will cut it out in a second draft but i have a character roll a tear at the end so I, they don't need to roll a tear at the end it's completely but it's almost like um i'm having to get used to sort of there doesn't have to be an explosion at the end there does there you know it's, no no i like I quite like vignettes. Hmm. I quite like, personally, I quite like you come in midway through something. Yeah, yeah. And you come, mm-hmm. because for the, for that, this particular thing, for elephant words, mm. the 800 limit, a lot of people will say mm. that it was, it was kind of conceived as it was meant to be sort of flash fiction, yeah. like really, really short fiction. Yeah. And a lot of people will say that 800 words is about mm-hmm. eight, almost, almost, depending on how much of a purist they are, mm. almost eight times too many words. Mm. For that sort of thing, you know yeah, what I mean. It's You're a reasonable into... five-minute read. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not. I think I think it's I think it's a pretty good uh, mm. length, and it had to be there because whenever I tried to write something without an eight hundred limit, it ended up. I once mm. wrote. Um, it used to have a much tighter uh, deadline, mm. like uh, one week in every six, you had to have your post up by the Monday, yeah. and one week I got this idea in my head. I, it was my turn to do the Monday post, mm-hmm. and I got this idea in my head that I was going to do the picture was of a mixtape, oh, and yeah. I decided I was going to do a post that that was like I can't remember how many parts there were, but it was going to be a whole bunch of different little tiny little stories, ah, uh, one for each song on a on an imaginary mixtape, oh, and clever. I came up with the songs and yeah, but it was like ten thousand words, brilliant, and I had to do it in less than 24 hours it was a bit yeah. much it was and each one was a different story it was stupid i might yeah. post a link to that in the show notes actually because it's it was a fascinating exercise that i don't know if it holds up oh I, i've never read it so i'd like to read it it's supposed to um, definitely it's uh, i'll put it in the show notes listener listener hello listener uh, uh that was awkward let mm. me let me take another pass at that listener uh, you can listen to all past episodes of two grown men at twogrownmen.net uh, that's the number two, grownmen.net. And uh, you can find show notes on every single one of the episodes oh, there. Oh, you're doing your wavy hands. So there'll be show notes with links to some of the stuff we talk about, depending on how much energy I have. Uh, my sister's staying at the moment, so I don't know how much energy oh. I have at, um, to, to, or time to do it this evening. But um, And also you can subscribe to us at your podcatcher of choice. Uh, a lot of people use iTunes. Apparently Apple have their pod cast app now i use pocket casts and stand by that decision mm-hmm. um people talk about stitcher i think we're on there as well yeah i would use pocket pocket cast last time i checked there was no um app for um ios that's just stupid why haven't they sorted that out i don't know i was getting vaguely excited for the first time about a project by Alan Moore and friends mm-hmm. called Electric Comics, mm-hmm. which is their um, their approach to digital comics, right. which I've been quite cynical about in the past, but think might be interesting now. And I could only find an iOS app for that. All right, fair which enough. was a bit disappointing. I really should record that script I did for um, a radio play at some point and 
Yes. I'll get round to that. All now, these things. Now I'm writing again. Now that you are imminently about to go back to work, seems like the best time to be well, taking I, I, I don't know. I, I think I definitely think like writing for elephant words is still fit in my schedule because mm. I tend to do the bulk of it on the Sunday when I yeah. get the pictures. So um, I'm really enjoying it, though. It's nice having an outlet. I haven't really had one for some time or felt I couldn't. So it's lovely. It's very We should maybe Im- improvise more on, on the podcast or something. I thought this was pure improvisation. No, but I mean, like, try and come up with a, a story or something. All right. That to would, exercise uh, your imagination. Because it doesn't, we just talk about stuff that occurs to us. That's not the do. same. But now but now you spontaneously suggested that we should improvise. I don't really want to. I want to stick to the script. Oh, um, the the rigidly written script. Did yeah. you, I don't think the listener knows that there are, like, we have about two hours worth of script. We've definitely, we've definitely done this before. Oh, have we? I think on both on both podcasts. I haven't checked the wiki. It's an <laughs> that's the problem. I haven't I haven't checked the wiki to see what whether the material I'm working with is stuff we've already covered. I think the thing is we're so beguiled by our spontaneity that we like to joke about it all the time. No, I know what's happened is uh, I mentioned improvising mm. uh, in a in a way that was deliberately designed mm. to induce fear in you. Yeah. But now we've both got that in our heads yeah. and we're both terrified. Yeah, it works And so true. everything's yeah. just, I don't know why I even... And this, uh, this is the podcast where I never I never panic. I, I find when we do the, the comic book podcast, when I've got to review something, every single review is uh, fueled by adrenaline and terror. Because you don't want to let down the creators, you don't want to let down the listener who is relying on you giving an, a, a good, a, an objective opinion. And, and in the back of my head, I'm always thinking um, something like the Cinebook Translator debacle might happen again. What was that? I, don't I, I reviewed a Cinebook um, volume um, a little while ago, and I know I think it's called West. And I noted early on that I didn't feel like the voices of the characters rang true for the setting. And I said, I didn't know whether this was a problem with the writing or whether something was lost in translation. And the translators started tweeting at me after reading it. And so, you know, my immediate, my immediate reaction to someone that I've displeased is, is to Are they immediate, going to murder me? Immediate, no, is immediately to capitulate and try to appease them. And actually what I should have done was go, well, no, I still don't know. It's it's weird. They've got the the they're they're in the old time West, so it's what the eighteen eighteen sixties, eighteen seventies. But they've they kind of they've got this modern way of talking that doesn't seem to fit. Well, and the translators stuck in a weird position there because do they do they uh, realize or acknowledge that it's something that's on them, or do they? Um, pass the buck mm. onto the original work neither of which seems like a decent professional response but but then i think i think the problem you've got as a reviewer is i can't properly properly assess that without reading it in the original french first so because i i'm always going to be reviewing something like that if i'm talking about the translation I'm always going to be talking from a, a, a position of ignorance anyway although i like to think that you've got um, because I love Tintin and Asterix so much, I've got two really good examples of how brilliantly, cause especially with Asterix, it's loads of puns and gags, which are really difficult to translate, and they do anglicise the puns and do really well. So, This seems like it's something that still preys on you sometimes. No, not no more or no less than any other awkward moment. I mean, I've still got moments from when I was like seven years old that caused me to freeze with horror, so... Um, 
Well, because it seems to me, and I'm sure the listeners there are already with me, that the only real way to solve this particular thing about the mm. translation is to learn French. No. I mean, it can't be difficult. We I all learn a little bit of it. At I school. haven't. I haven't been on holiday to France yet, where we haven't come home. We must. We simply must take the time to learn French for next time. And I never do. I. I've told Just you. Just pop star. <laughs> Show le taxi. The um. I told you the other day that the whole thing with me being off sick from work since pretty much this time last year is I know what I won't do in a month of Sundays, and it's learn French is one of them. Je m'appelle Nicolas. Je m'appelle Discotheque. Où est la piscine? La Rochelle. What is Je suis un rockstar? Je suis un rockstar. Na na la di da. I am a rockstar. No, it's a song. It's a song from the 80s. I need I to look it up. It I was definitely something I had on a hits album. I know. Or now that's what I call music I album. Know, I know how to identify uh, just short of a hundred uh, brightly coloured balloons. In, in German, because it's Nifty Nuft Luftblunz. Nifty Nuft Luftblunz, that's not real, that's a made up language. Nifty Nuft Luftblunz. Uh, that's just ri- ridiculous nonsense language. I'm no. glad we didn't all end up talking that the way the Americans say we should be grateful to them for. I quite, I quite like the idea of saying Nifty Nuft <laughs> right. So I also, I also, I'd really like saying I love you. I think it's terrifying. Ikliba dick. I think it's terrifying. Something, something. Dick. I love you. I am um, German, isn't it? I feel like I should by now uh, for these recordings. I should have a checklist of things we have to mention in each one, and we just mentioned eighties music. I haven't mentioned Scarlet yet. I'll do that in a minute. Yeah, how is she? Because she's not here this week, obviously. A listener, the listener will be. She, she's great. I had a big, um, I don't really want to talk too much about my weekend because you might see what's influenced my story when you see it. I'm, that's fine. But it was my, um, it would have been my father's birthday on Friday. Oh. Um, and we, we very rarely mark it. We haven't, strangely, we haven't got a headstone for him, but we did, um, scatter his ashes off the island of Portland. And, um, uh, because I'm I'm feeling in a pretty good place, I said to Nicola, I really want to go down, um, down this weekend and sort of just toss some flowers into the water and say a few words to him, you know, sort of tell him our saints are getting on and introduce Scarlet properly. And so I pushed her in. No, uh, <laughs> so we can we can make jokes about this bit. Yeah. So so um, that's where Portland Bill was filmed. Filmed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the children's program Portland Bill and uh, and in immediate reference. To when you said about dropping flowers in, yeah. I was just going to say as an aside, so lit- littering. Littering, yeah. Okay, and to now, be, okay, to and be you honest talked with about you, right. throwing scarlet in. We, um, we, the, the bit we, we, where we scattered these ashes, we, we were going to do another, another part of the, the, this, the area down there. But, um, uh, the tide was up. So we scattered these ashes, um, at the point, oh god, I shouldn't admit this, at the point when I was younger where we used to empty the chemical toilet. Oh. Well, <laughs> so, it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> Oh, it was such a, oh, it was such a farce. It was the day we did it. It was, um, it was January 99. It was a wet, windy Wednesday. And I remember the, um, the vicar turning up who was, uh, the son of a, a friend of my parents. And he got absolutely friggin' soaked. His frock got soaked with seawater. And there's sort of five or six of us huddled around the, huddled around this little rock with a rapidly rising tide. And he thought, ashes are going everywhere and I'm, I'm stood there thinking oh god we're putting dad where the shit goes oh 
Would it have saved time if you just and saved everybody getting wet if you just was because the chemical toilet is that checking in the, the caravan? Fu- checking the fucking tides would have been a start. Actually, is, is the chemical toilet in the caravan? In a caravan? Well, no, they're they're beach huts. So yeah, so if you'd done the thing in the beach hut, mm. everyone would have stayed dry. Yeah, just put the ashes in the toilet and then, and then the empty toilet the toilet where you would have normally. Could have, should have thought about it really. Well, I mean, but we wanted to save on the toilet blue, so was all oh, right. Okay, because was Portland his favourite place? Oh, it's where he grew up. All right, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't like he wouldn't have had an attachment to the the toilet. No, not particularly. Okay. Um, although you know, depended on how much he had to drink, which was often a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, hence his early demise, I think. Uh, anyway, so I found it's a bit judgy. B- because um, because so many people I cared about very deeply sort of lived on Portland at one point and have died subsequently I of of late I found Portland crushingly depressing place to be but I used to spend my my almost my entire summers down there as a child and so forth and I, I love it very deeply it's, it runs very deep in our family so we decided to go down and I was sort of a bit apprehensive because I you know I wasn't expecting to have a very happy time but um we went to to take the flowers down we bumped into one of um my uh, mum and dad's old family friends who used to be down there all the time he was out in his beach hut so we ended up scarlet came with me we we tossed the flowers out we spoke about granddad a little bit and then we went back and he offered us a cup of coffee and, and we went into his hut and just i had the most glorious afternoon and found myself falling in love again with a place that I'd become a little bit detached from, and Scarlet absolutely adored it down there as well. So I felt I felt really lucky. I did not expect to be coming home on Saturday, having fallen in love with somewhere that was an incredibly important place to me as a child. So it was it was a really nice, uplifting, happy weekend. It was really good. That's actually such a a, a nice and personal story that i mm. kind of feel bad that we 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 kind of took a diversion into chemical loose there the no middle. that's fine oh and i've cribbed a load of it from the elephant word story this week so i, I doubt it's the same audience it's fine <laughs> yeah. um i uh i wish this is one of those times where i kind of wish we were musical one of the main problems we have mm. as a podcast is and this is the same where we have issues as well, I think, is that podcasts tend to do better, especially irreverent ones mm. like ours, if at least someone involved with them has some musical, uh, like some some slim musical ability with an acoustic guitar or something. Because I'd like to overlay, uh, mm. just as, as a tribute to that, a yeah. nice, uh, slow and mournful acoustic version of the theme tune to Portland Bell. <laughs> Which, I, which awesome. I love. It doesn't take me a lot to recall the words, but oh, we can't. Come with me to the, the rolling sea, sea where the, the weather's calm and still. Which it's not. I mean, Portland has its own microclimate, to be honest with you. It's very changeable up there. I think that would have been quite complicated for the theme tune. Because kids' shows have very basic theme tunes. I think you should, I think you should put a bed in for that. And, and if Nick did put a bed in, I hope you enjoyed it. If he didn't, um, Manatee by uh, Captain Bog and Salty. Manatee? Yeah. It's a very whimsical song about manatees by Captain Bog and Salty. Do you think about manatees when you think about the disposal of your 
for, I mean, I yeah, because quite often um, I'd eaten um, a big um, a big pub lunch, and I'd take a poo in the chemical toilet that looked like a sea cow. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not true. We didn't. We didn't. You could only poo in the chemical toilet in emergencies. We. Um, you've. Uh, I mean, are we done on the dead parent? Thing? It was mostly wheeze in okay. the chemical toilet. Okay. No, yeah, I think I'm done with the dead parent thing. Did, did you did you wait till uh, like you were in a fast food restaurant or something no, to you use could their go, cleaner toilets? No, or? you could go up the top where the uh, where the lighthouse and the toilets were. All right, okay. it's like a five minute walk. But if you like, if you're really desperate, last thing you want to do when you need a poo is walking, isn't it? Because you know, I was I was on the common today walking my dogs, right? Uh-huh. And either uh-huh. either there's around a dysentery going on, or um, like, you know, quick walking, uh, you know, like the walking where it's almost running but not quite has yeah. become really popular. I think it's probably that. It looks the same thing, doesn't it? They, people, I know it's a, it's a, it's a hackneyed old, uh, observation, but people who are doing the, doing the, the quick running look like they're about to shit themselves. Are you using this as a, as a place to test your, uh, stand up? And, uh, the other thing I was thinking is, uh, what is it with those little packets of peanuts on airplanes? <laughs> The um, I mean, the thing is, of course, that the thing you're talking about is mm. it's not quite end stage needing the toilet. Yeah, it's uh, aware that you need the toilet, but you could still yeah. cope. When I have had the problems uh, with my tummy, where I've mm. either misjudged or or it's come yeah. upon me in my, during my walk mm. home or something. You start by trying to move mm-hmm. very quickly, but then you have to start moving very, very slowly, yeah. like really, really slowly, which is kind of torturous. I, I tell you what's fun is to be with a friend who thinks they've shit themselves in Amsterdam. I um, Do you have to be in Amsterdam when... Well, it helps because this is where this story is based. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I was, uh, it's not like they're, they're walking, you're walking on Southampton Common with them and they say, do you know, I think I shat myself <laughs> in Amsterdam once. That's not what you're talking about. No, no, it's, it's, you need to be with them for right, it really okay. to, but uh, yeah, I was with a friend. We were having breakfast at Barney's, which uh-huh. is, uh, nice breakfast, but it was one of the cafes where you could smoke the cannabis. Of course. So we were eating breakfast and smoking the cannabis and we were quite at the same time. That's just not I, th- I think, civilized. yeah, breaks between stuff a bit of sausage in, puff, right. puff, puff. Oh, my God. Uh, the 80s were terrible. And, he, and the 90s. It was the... It was 2003. And the 90s. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was weird enough as it is, because, um, you know, these... um, uh, You don't see them very often, but these sort of um, hand-cranked organs that sort of play sort of fairground sort of music. Yeah. Normally uh, monkeys. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But it was, it was a big one. I remember we were sat there and you could hear it in the distance. You could hear it getting closer and closer and closer. So it came right past where we were, which was obviously very confusing because a lot of things that you see in Amsterdam are weird. Um, but they feel weirder because they feel, it feels like they've put them on specially for you to yeah. do your headed. Anyway, we'd had our breakfast and it was very nice and we sort of headed off back up the city, back to our hotel. And um, my friend was very happily passing wind when all of a sudden the expression on his face changed. <laughs> he looked very nervous. And I thought maybe he was having a whiteout, but he's like, I think I'll shit myself. No, brownout, James. <laughs> brownout, yeah. I think I'll shit myself. And he's like, 
He was sort of surreptitiously trying to stick his hand down his trousers to check. Although, had he actually shat himself, what he would have done with what would have inevitably been on his hand yeah. is beyond me. He but wasn't thinking clearly, he, was he? He wasn't thinking clearly at all. But I, me- I remember he take this is one of the things with Amsterdam. Um, they're, they're happy for you to be in the places that are designated for fucked up English people to be. But <laughs> oh, woe betide you, woe betide you if you go anywhere that's for normal, nice Dutch people. Um, and the nearest toilet he could find was a cafe for normal, nice Dutch people. Oh, Despite the fact we weren't, you know, we weren't blazing. You know, I, I sat down and I ordered a Coca-Cola. But seriously, man, I, if the waiter's eyes were laser beams, I'd have had little holes all over me. Is this... Um, um, but, it, but it turns out... You have out, got little holes all over you. That's true. Um, it turns out he didn't shit himself. Uh, he was just... Uh, it was quite a wet fart. Is this one of those stories where if I had any decent sort of a memory... Mm. Mm. I'd remember that you told me in a separate conversation at some point mm. that uh, in 2003 mm. you went to Amsterdam on your own and actually there isn't a friend. This was all you this <laughs> happened to and you're just being coy. No, actually it was my stag weekend and I think there were 18 of us, Nick. Blimey, that's yeah. a lot of people. You have way more friends than I do. I used to have way more friends friends than you do i, I really were they the blazing squad my so- were you yeah, in the blazing squad yeah, absolutely my social circle is nowhere near that big now i can only uh i can only take responsibility for some of those people i i didn't it isn't i know what you're saying mm. i know what you're saying no, but it isn't fault? my fault you're not friends with these well, people it, no it is it is primarily your fault although that was a group we drifted apart oh, okay that's what uh but, uh, uh that's what social groups do though i i found facebook yeah, especially social groups that the only real cohesion between them was they like to go partying and taking drugs it's like when you start having kids and getting sensible oh fuck we've got nothing in common <laughs> i um i i so you said something there that reminded me of of something that happened at the weekend i we were making a lot of use of netflix so we're currently watching a show called Bloodlines, which is very good. It's like a family drama um, that's a Netflix exclusive. Uh, we d- did previously watch Sense8, which we really, really liked. And so we're, we're, we're making a, a lot of use of the subscription. Uh, and I've, I've been catching up with Misfits, which I like very much, but which actually facts into what I'm about, about to talk about a little bit because um, the first couple of series were very... I hesitate to say brave, but they were kind of risk-taking in that there were a couple of characters who were awful, Mm. just awful human beings. Mm. And so they were making these characters do things. These characters were doing things that if the whole show was like that, if the show said that that stuff was okay, it it would not Mm. be very progressive or very considered some of the stuff about relationships and genders and stuff. Um, and as the seasons go on, there's a little bit less mitigating stuff in yeah. the show to make up for some of the weird treatment of, of uh, female characters in it mm-hmm. that sometimes happens. Um, but the fact that I am becoming, I still quite like transgressive humor that this isn't about misfits anymore. I still quite like transgressive humor, but my, uh, the the more progressive side of me, especially I've found since all of the police shootings in the US, they've made me very like super conscious mm. of race, the way we talk about race and, and how race is represented and stuff like that. Um, and so sometimes I'm not in the, the 
I don't I don't watch as much stand up now as long as I can be relatively sure that the stand up isn't going to give me too many moments where I think oh I'm not sure if that's funny mm. or oh I'm not sure if that's okay um I will still go to bat for Frankie Boyle because I I think his anger mm-hmm. his anger is palpable he's not just he's not just saying stuff even when he's saying awful stuff, mm-hmm. he's not just saying that awful stuff because that's how. And he lives. Be- he lives by his morals. Yeah, too, yeah. You know, he, so, he, um, he walks the walk. But also, I have a relationship—not an actual relationship with Frankie Boyle, mm. but I have a, an ongoing relationship with him where I've I've got used to him. But like, if it's new stand-ups, like there's loads of stand-ups on mm-hmm. on Netflix where stand-up specials and stuff and i won't take a punt on most of them because i'm like well i don't really know that comedian and he's clearly a one of those white angry dudes Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a certain amount of me navigating through well does the fact that he said this make it Mm -hmm. okay that i'm laughing at this bit and i can't always be asked so i am i switched on wyatt senek because I really liked him on The Daily Show. Yeah. I really liked the interview he did with Mark Maron. Um, he's very funny. And because he's because he's black, I already know that I'm okay with anything he says about race. Mm-hmm. Because he's... I mean, he might say stuff about Mexicans, but he's black. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he might... I, you know, I mean, he seems like a relative, relatively progressive hey, guy. And who, who are we to tone police him, eh? Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he seems like uh, he'd be okay about women, so it's fine. But then I kind of drifted off because it was very late at night. I, I nodded off mm. uh, towards the end of his. And then when I woke up, Netflix had lined up um, a special by a guy called Bill Burr, <laughs> which was called I'm Sorry You Feel That Way. It mm. didn't It didn't start, I'm sorry that, that upset you or something like mm-hmm. that, or I'm sorry you feel that way. And it didn't start it up, but when I woke up, it said, mm-hmm. are you sure you want to watch this? Because this is the next thing we're going to suggest to you, which is a bit, you know, passive aggressive of Netflix. Sometimes I just fall asleep, all right? I can't, I'm getting to that age. Um, but I figured, okay, I'll end up watching it. And I really laughed, James. Oh. I, I wish I could come up with more examples of, there's loads of stuff in there where because he is the angry white comedian mm-hmm. and his delivery is like that, there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of areas where, um, he veers into, he veers into sketchy territory and it maybe isn't worked on enough. His act isn't about how progressive he is. Mm-hmm. If anything, his act is about voicing a certain sort of masculinity mm. and, um, trying to reckon with that in, in a, a modern world. Mm. And some, and he made me laugh so much, but I didn't feel like I could, uh, recommend it to anyone. Unless, unless of, they want guilty laughs. Unless they want, well, and I wouldn't even say that because he, uh, aside from one bit, uh, one bit of, uh, stuff he said about, um, uh, trans sports people, mm-hmm. which admittedly is an area that I've, can, considered and i think it's an area where feminism gets into some scrapes mm-hmm. because it's about intersectionality he he has a, a little bit where he says he doesn't he doesn't care like that, that as far as he's concerned anyone can do anything and it's fine as long as they're not hurting anyone but he is into sports and he was saying that when um when people go from male to female mm-hmm. and then they start competing in physical sports 
they're still the same frame and everything, and yeah. then they're competing in physical sports with women. Like, and he said that like when uh, if uh, if uh, someone goes from male to female mm-hmm. and they're competing, they start competing in MMA or something like mm-hmm. that. Well, then that's uncomfortable ground for him. And I acknowledge that. That's like yeah. kind of makes sense. But the way he, you know, he's not particularly progressive about the way he, the way he describes it. I do find that interesting because it is like, well, you are physically bigger than the people you're competing with. So mm-hmm. you are kind of, and MMA people beat up on each other, like quite badly. I think that's the point. I'm not keen on this cage fighting that the, it's very popular. It's become huge, you know. I don't like it. I, I find boxing a bit much, but I realize brutal. I like films about all of these things. I like oh, it yeah. when it's edited and yeah. beautifully filmed. Yeah. Um, but he did say. I don't, I, the thing is, as a kid, I've seen enough people beating the shit out of other people. I don't want to yeah. watch it for fun. Unless it's beautifully filmed. Yeah, that's different. Um, if you can see sweat flying off someone's mm. face because they've been impacted really heavily on the other side. I'll take competently filmed. Okay. Mm. Uh, there's a film called Warrior, which I very much like. It's got Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton in. It's a very masculine film, but it makes me quite sad. But yeah, so this Bill Burr thing, I, fu- I found him, I found him pretty funny. And actually, it's interesting because he's kind of, he's one of those, uh, is it blue collar? White mm-hmm. blue collar comedians. Well, blue collar's working class, isn't it? Yeah, so, and, and so he speaks in that kind of way and he speaks to that kind of audience, but he is actually sneaking in some, pro- I think on balance, he's pretty progressive. Like Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah, and Bruce, uh, uh Forsyth, Forsyth and Bruce Willis. All the Bruce's and Bruce Hornsby yeah. and the range. But not the range. Oh no, not the range. Very upper class, the range. Oh, are they? Yeah, well, it's like an arger, isn't it? Oh no, you're talking about the Rangers in a cooking thing. I mm. thought you were talking about the shop where you can go and get cheap art, art oh, supplies no, that's and, quite blue collar. and pick and mix and stuff mm. like that. We love the pick and mix. Um, he, but actually there's some stuff in there that he said about parenting. I didn't intend to talk about this. I just intended to talk about how Netflix suggested mm. this guy I wouldn't listen to normally and he was funny. Um, but the, the, he, he starts off on this skit about this guy on a plane that he was on that hit turbulence who was whinnying, like who was making little crying noises, mm. this quite hipster guy. And he starts in on that guy. And then he starts talking about how people like that guy were clearly hugged too much as kids. And you think that he's going to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. But then the whole bit is clearly just about how he was barely his relationship with his parents. Because he says, my mum hugged me once i guess that's once when i was really Mm -hmm. very small Mm -hmm. and going to school for the first time and then once when i left home and that was a really awkward hug like because we knew we were supposed to but yeah and then he said he talked to his mum much later on um and she said that the reason she didn't hug him growing up was because his dad had told her that hugging uh hugging him would turn him gay nice but then he he launched into this defense of his dad which Mm. is to say that you know, that sounds bad, mm. but then you hear about what his, how his dad was brought up, mm-hmm. and he was probably getting like whooped on a regular basis yeah. and stuff like that. So what he so he's brought that down as a set yeah. of next generation. He's brought that down a notch mm-hmm. to hugs will make him gay, yeah. and then when he has kids, he's not going to make it perfect, but he'll try mm-hmm. and bring it down a, an extra notch to if you're in public school, you won't be doing drama classes. <laughs> and that's, enough. that's it he said if he goes to a, and and he he leavens that by saying if he goes to one of those uh like 
uh, New York style fame schools where everyone's mm. like, like every all the kids in the cafeteria are singing a song about what what is cottage cheese anyway mm. then that's fine but if he's going to public school mm. letting him do classes that will clearly get him beaten up by all of the yeah. other kids might be cruel and i don't think that's great parenting but i i i appreciated him making it more palatable for my <laughs> pseudo progressive i mean there's a there's a whole hour i haven't spoiled I've only ruined two or three of the jokes. It's quite fun. I mean, you'd probably like it, James. No, I enjoyed you disassembling funny ideas and making them less so. I've been, um, I, I've been watching. I watched a lot of Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, and he kind of disassembles. I've been, I've been watching the second series of that. Yeah, just I don't know it's why good. I hadn't watched it. I before. like that Tony Law. I do like him. The the Canadian chap. I don't think I saw big that. Canadian. The second series, big Canadian chap. The banter, the, he says. The version of it I saw might have missed certain episodes for was, weird reasons. Was it the first series? No, it was the second series. Oh, right. um, are I, you watching it on Now TV too, are you? I guess. Can we stop talking about this now? Well, it's available on Now TV, so I assume that you must be. Yes, I guess I just got confused when I was watching yeah, the episodes, yeah. but I saw them a little bit out of sequence. And But, I mean, he disassembles humour, and it works for him. So I'm yeah. just trying to do some of that. It does work for him. Well, how do I make it work for me? James. Well, listener, how do I make it work for me? I want to be like Stuart Lee. It's a lovely day today, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to I've got to pick Scarlet up from school later. I'm going to have a jacket potato when this finishes. I'm going to have a pot noodle. <laughs> oh. Well, I'd like to have a pot noodle, but... I'd well, like think, to have a pot noodle, but I'm really feeling my diet at the moment. To be honest with you, I shouldn't have pot noodle because I'm off sugar. And there is a, a small amount of sugar in a pot noodle. So My knee very much hurts and I find myself very breathy at the moment. Oh, I jarred my knee the other day. Yeah, mine's hurt like this for about six months. Oh, okay, that wins. Oh, and you went nasally as if to illustrate the nasal. I've got a cold. I've got a cold yeah. and Ask I feel me very... for a cheat day effect. return to Nottingham. Can I have a cheat day return to Nottingham? No, I'm sorry. I'm not a uh, rail ticket seller. For fuck's sake, I can't believe you tricked me like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know where we can go from this, James, for this episode. I'm probably going to go uh, to the bus stop and uh, get the bus home. Listener, can you tell me how to make the Stuart Lee thing work for me, please? Uh, you can talk to me. Can you tell me how to get a cheap or turn to Duttingham? Oh, so we're just doing each other's voices now, are we? Are we just doing each other's voices now, are we? But you do my voice all the time. No, that's true, I do. Yeah. I'm kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, you can talk I like to... that you went to a real extreme <laughs> with mine. If only, if only, listener, you could have seen the prancing about that came with it as well. <laughs> Apparently, not only do I sound like uh, uh, some sort of Ray, Ray Winston hybrid, I'm a marionette puppet as well. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh there ain't no strings on me and that shit is it? <laughs> um, you listener, you can talk to the podcast at 2GM Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can talk to me at Nick Site on Twitter, N I X S I G H T at James. I'm James Mom, James M O M B. And check out James's pieces on Elephant Words. Yeah, they please are do. very good. Thank uh, you. Uh, and that's us. Let's go. I'm off down to Tracy fucking Island. I did the dotting up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>